Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. We have a better covenant upon better promises, and we have a better relationship with God. We were at such a desperate place that Andrew, it was like life. It was just life that was coming from the television. And every area in our life has been turned right side up. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Wednesday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. Today, I'm continuing to teach on creationism versus evolution. And I tell you, I've been on this for quite a while, but I believe that this is a major, major problem in our society today. For the people that don't have a biblical foundation, they just nearly take it without question that, you know, this earth and us evolved over millions and billions of years. And that is not what the scriptures teach it. And it's not only the word, but I mean, there are scientific things that show that this couldn't happen. And I've been using Dr. Carl Ball from the Creation Evidence Museum in Glen Rose, Texas, along with Dr. Grady McMurtry, who uh, has all of these degrees. And I've been using them to show from a scientific standpoint how evolution is impossible. It could not happen. And I know that there's people watching this program right now that you're thinking, that's impossible. This is a proven fact. It is not a proven fact. Matter of fact, there are a lot of facts that go against it. And Noah's flood explains a lot of things. I've used Dr. Grady McMurtry and shown, he has this teaching entitled, The Water's Clave, that shows the continental drift and these ridges in uh, the depths of the ocean. And we've talked about all of that. We've talked about an ice age, global warming, and these kind of things. Today, I'd like to go back to Dr. McMurtry and have him explain these layers, these sedimentary layers that have been uh, piled up and how these things happen. And he's going to specifically talk about the folding of all of these layers. And some of them are actually in Z shapes and stuff. And there is no way with the, with the evolutionary model that these things could have been deposited like that, but rather it speaks to that these deposits were placed down during a flood and that you can see these ripple effects and things like this. And so Dr. McMurtry explains this a lot better than I ever could. So I'd like to go back to an interview that I did with him a couple of years ago and have him just present this and explain it. And I encourage you to open up your heart and let this speak to you and confirm that the Bible account of creation is accurate. It didn't take millions and millions of years for these things to come to pass. And if you will just be open and open up your heart, to me, this is impe impeccable logic. I don't know how you could argue with it. So even if you don't believe what the scripture says, which you should, you should believe what you see uh, this scientist explain and present to us, and I believe it'll be a blessing to you. So watch this, and at the end of our program, we'll make all of these materials, these resources available to you so that you can have it. We've been talking about the flood of Noah, and we have shared some things that, I mean, are just profound. And um, Grady, I want to just make this point. We were talking off camera, but you know, there's a lot of evolutionists who believe in evolution because it's a convenient theology. It makes them not accountable to God. And I can understand that. And there's a bent on it, but the facts aren't there. So they just choose to believe they it. They choose to believe it. But what gets me are Christians 
who embrace it, and whether they call it theistic evolution or whatever, just because I guess they are intimidated into believing that this is absolute fact and they just haven't examined the facts. And those are the ones that I'm really hoping to reach with these truths that you've been presenting because uh, evolution and the Bible are not compatible. They are 100% incompatible. That's right. And they ch do choose to believe it. As we said, a, a religion of convenience, a way of saying that I can lead a sinless life without Christ. It's a justification for every kind of immorality that they want to practice. So it is a philosophical belief. It is not a scientific belief because science simply disproves evolution. And, you know, this would probably offend the evolutionists, but I've, um, I've offended a lot of people, so I don't mind doing it. But it really is senseless because the facts don't support it. Well, all one needs to do is simply use the argument by design that, that Paul used in Romans 1, for instance. Uh, St. Augustine of Hippo used 400 years later and so forth. The argument by design that when you see design, you know there's a designer. Mm -hmm. Now, if you can look at a comb, which is a one-piece yeah. machine, mm -hmm. and see design, how can you not look yeah. at biological life and realize it takes a designer to create it? If we were to land on Mars and they found a house that was built, which isn't a living organism, it's nothing complex like any of the stuff that we're talking about. But if you found a house on Mars, I guarantee you everybody would be saying, there's life on Mars, because it couldn't just evolve. It wouldn't have doors and windows, and that's an inanimate object. To see all of this life and believe that it evolved without somebody designing it is uh, senseless. It is not intelligent. Well, that's because, as I say, the belief in evolution is irrational, unreasonable, illogical, and unscientific. It is. And so Christians who believe in it, who aren't believing in evolution because they want to escape God or accountability to Him, it has to be just because they haven't been informed. I well, don't think. what has happened is the church has not done a good job of teaching creation. They've not only done a lousy job of teaching creation from a theological standpoint and show why it's so important to the Christian faith, they've also failed to teach the science because somehow or another they think science is foreign. Well, the fact of the matter is that the single greatest scientists who have ever lived have always been Christians and creationists. You know, you go back to Francis Bacon, Isaac Newton, but you can go to Faraday and Boyle and Maxwell and all these others, Pasteur and George Washington Carver. and it, Every one of them are, you know, the founders of scientific fields, the finders of the single greatest scientific discoveries have always been practically to a man or woman a creationist. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. I go to the Grand Canyon, and I love going in the mountains. We four-wheel, and we go to these national parks, and they'll say that 150 million years ago or 500 million years ago, this strata of rock, and, and it's just presented as fact, and they say that this proves evolution, and yet the flood is how all of this stuff was put down. I'd like That's you right. to address that. Well, you have to remember, first of all, when the evolutionists talk about millions and billions of years, it is imaginary. They made it up in their own imagination. There. First of all, they were not there. They cannot document it. That's true. Scientifically, you're dealing with a historical event that cannot be scientifically proven. The scientific method cannot be used to do things like that because it's outside of the scope of science, which deals with here and now. Secondly, of course, you've got people who, again, uh, and as I say, the church has done a lousy job of doing this, haven't shown the science behind this, such as we were talking about previously, you know, but let's take a look at what's really in the ground versus what's in the textbooks because to me this is critical. Again, growing up in the paleontology laboratories at Berkeley, 
fossils and, and the various sedimentary layers in which you find the fossils. Mm -hmm. The first thing you have to remember is this. On the Earth's land surface, 75 to 80% is covered with dried out mud layers containing trillions of dead plants and animals that all drowned. Now that ought to tell you that it's a worldwide flood right mm -hmm. there, that this is not slow and gradual accumulation. As a matter of fact, we now know that fossilization is rapid, and you, to get a fossil, would have to have it buried rapidly. It can't be slowly or it would decay. Mm -hmm. In addition to that though, of the 75 to 80% of the entire Earth's land surface that is covered with dried out mud layers, that's sedimentary rock, because sedimentary rock is just dried out mud. Mm -hmm. 80 to 85% of that does not even have three layers in the order shown in the textbooks. Oh, so, so their evolutionary model is not consistent. consistent with what's in the ground. You say they show the geological time scale or the geological time column in the textbook and then teach you that that's the way it is in the ground, but that's not true. That is a reconstruction by taking a layer in Africa and a layer in Asia and a layer in North America and putting them in the order they want them. No, really. So this whole thing so about Precambrian and I forget. Well, th those are names. Yeah, but I mean all of these names ascribed to this is stuff that you can't see consistent. Absolutely not consistent. The earth. Absolutely not consistent at all. Again, 80 to 85 percent doesn't even have three layers in the order shown in the textbook. What we find are layers upside down, out of order, missing, or interlaced, where it goes older, younger, older, younger, older, younger, according to the evolutionary teaching. Now do they explain this or do they again just ignore this? They ignore it, they try to hide it. Here's a picture of the Rocky Mountains and, and here we see layers in the ground. I mean these are mm -hmm. fairly easy to see layers. Sure. Now first of all if you take a close look at this you will notice that if evolution was true you'd expect these layers to be nice and flat because when water lays down layers, water seeks its own level, water lays mm -hmm. down flat. Mm -hmm. But first of all you notice that actually you see undulations. Uh -huh. that these are actually wave-like things. Also notice the alluvial material, that's the, that's the erosion material here at the bottom. Mm -hmm. Now first of all, if those mountains are supposed to be three, 300 million years old or whatever, according to whichever evolution you talk to, where is the erosion material? Because this is not enough, this only supports a few thousand years. So they've got a big problem. But then if you say, well, it washed off into the rivers, such as the Colorado. Well, how come there's only 4,500 years worth of mud at the mouth of the Colorado then? You see, the physical evidence doesn't support the story. Now let's take a look. This comes from Montana. Now here you see sedimentary layers laid down flat by water, but they're standing basically upright, and you'll notice the curving, and you'll notice they're not broken. I challenge everybody listening to this program Always, always, always look in the road cuts. It's free research. You've already yeah. paid for it. <laughs> Stop and look. Slow down and look. You see layers on the side of the road. Often they're flat. Often they look nice and planar, you know, and so forth. But if you just keep looking, you'll see undulations. You'll see sometimes they'll turn and meet another at a 90 degree angle. You'll see layers are standing upright. Now remember, these were, these were laid down flat this way, but today, you know, instead of being this way, they're now this way or folded, but you can't bend rock. So what does this mean to see so these in This in means the that these are, are the layers of sedimentary rock, mud laid down by the flow of Noah, then folded by tectonic forces, the movement of continents and so forth, 
after the flood while they're still wet, and then only after they have been folded, they dry out into hard rock. For instance, here's a nice little section. Now remember that this picture is in the right orientation. So this is basically up and down, but uh -huh. you see these Z-shaped curves. Now again, you can't, you can't bend sedimentary rock, it'll break. This is not metamorphic. Now metamorphic has been heated and, and you can bend that. But this is sedimentary rock. You cannot bend it without breaking it, which proves that this had to be done while it was still wet. This comes from the area near San Juan Capistrano. Now notice here, you'll even see swirls, waves, circular patterns that seem to be swirls that are frozen in time. But remember that that had to be done in moving water. Here you can see layers going straight up and down here. And so this is absolutely rapid, all of that material not just 10 feet, 100 feet, even thousands of feet, had to all be deposited at one time. This comes from California, but you see some very tightly folded hairpins here in the Sierras. Or, here's a nice little 90 degree curve right here, and of course we've got the lady standing there to give you a little perspective on that. Uh, here's another curve, let's see a little bit better there. And uh, this is what I'm talking about with road cuts. Now notice a couple things here. Notice that there's some folded layers down here that uh -huh. were cut off and then other layers laid down on top very, very quickly. This shows rapid deposition. Here's another 90 degree curve right here. Here you see a, the, the single lady standing there and it may not be real easy to see in the picture, but take a look. You can actually see this is a hairpin. Yeah. I've put the superimposing here, but you can actually see it comes here and turns very, very tight in a hairpin turn. Mm -hmm. That had to be while this material was still in a very liquid state. Uh, it was mud, but still very, very wet, or it would have been broken. Now, this is what I was talking about with things like rapid for formations of things like the Grand Canyon after the flood. Uh, we see this kind of rapid formation all over the world, these folded layers. And it shows you that everything was deposited very quickly. Now, at Colorado State University, there's a great sedimentation laboratory there. Now this comes from a secular university. Colorado State is certainly a secular university, mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. But experimentations done there in their great sedimentation laboratory have proven all layers form at the same time and merely extend in the direction of water flow. So what we're saying is this. If you have moving water, all the layers, the bottom layer and the top layer, form at the same time, but extend as the water flows in that direction. All layers form at the same time. That proves the layer on the bottom is the same age as the layer on the top. Now, if that is accurate and if that's proven, that disproves evolution. It disproves it? evolution. It shows that what we have are fossils in the ground, yes, dead animals, dead plants from the flow of Noah, buried in wet mud layers. But these layers are often out of order, upside down, backwards but the, these layers all formed at one time. Now, again, this comes from the, the Washita Mountains in Arkansas and Oklahoma. You can see sedimentary rock layers standing straight up. This is outside of uh, Denver on I-70. I've seen that. And, but think about it, those are, look mm -hmm. at all those layers had to come into existence at one time. The entire thing had to be Okay, folded. so this was laid down by water. Had to be laid down this way by water. And then the folding, tectonic forces folding layers force that entire thing to come up. And this is again near McCoy in Colorado. Again, you have these tightly folded layer, or tightly uh, deposited mm -hmm. layers here, but again, they're staying practically straight up. 
Now you can see these different layers, and so this is what, wave after wave of sedimentation? Well, it's, it's either reoccurring waves or it's, again, all at one time, with, again, all of them being simply deposited by the, the movement of water in one direction. Well, I'm, I may not be sharp enough to catch what you're saying, but I can, I've seen mountains where you see the different colors. So the stratas are definitely different. Mm -hmm. Were those all put down at one time, or was a layer put Again, down and all, then another layer? all put layer? down at one time by the flood. And so what accounts for the different colors? Again, this is different kinds of rock. It could be anything from limestone to shale to slate to whatever. But uh, I was just going through here. This is near, near Dinosaur Monument. Mm -hmm. Notice that 90-degree turn at the top yep. of the mountain here. But other layers over here folded in a different way. This is an S-shaped yep. mountain and so forth. Now, I want to get down to the uh, Grand Canyon of northern Arizona. Well, those are great examples right there. Well, that's just, these, these are wonderful things, but... That's beautiful. This is Arizona. This is called the Wave. Yes, I've, I've not been there, but I've seen it. And here you see a tremendous, uh, this is not even the best picture I've got of it, but this is just a tremendous area where you see basically every kind of sedimentation you can in one deposit. You have folding, you have interlacing, you have shearing, you have cross-hatching. Basically, every kind of sedimentation all in one spot, showing that it all happened very, very quickly. Now, uh, this is an area in New Mexico. Again, you notice here just dozens and dozens of layers that were laid down flat, folded, but then after they were folded, they were sheared off at the top, and another layer folded, or deposit, excuse me, on top, going in another direction. Now what caused that? Again, this is the flood. This is where currents in the water are moving in different directions. This is as the waters rise and come down because you've got 300 days of, 150 days of waters rising, 150 days of it going down. Mm -hmm. You have tidal tsunamis, which after some layers have been deposited and start to fold, then have been sheared off by a, a tidal tsunami. These are all called turbidite deposits. That mean they're all deposited underwater. And uh, let's take a look at the Grand Canyon. Notice right here. Now, here in the Grand Canyon, this is a close-up of the Redwall limestone and the Cambrian Muav layers down here. Notice that they are interlaced. That is to say that they are mixed. You've got one, then another, then another, going mm -hmm. back and forth, showing that this was not the clean-cut thing that evolutionists say of different ages, but in fact was simply as these water currents are moving, depositing one layer of material that's dissolved someplace and then another one here, and as the currents are moving back and forth, different layers are being deposited in this order, showing that again, this is not consistent with what evolutionists claim. And at the Grand Canyon, we actually have layers that are missing. For instance, there's 140 to 160 million years missing up here, 10 million missing up there, according to evolutionary yeah. thinking. And so the fact of the matter is that sometimes we see very, you know, smooth, flat lines, but there's 10 million years missing. Now, think with me for a second about this, because it's very important. When you look at these layers in the ground, such as the one you see right here, think with me. If the one was deposited and another one was deposited later, there'd have to be some period of time during which each layer was exposed before the next layer was deposited on top, right? Mm-hmm. Why are there no soil horizons between them? Now, what's a soil horizon? Where some of the rock had eroded into soil. Okay. Why are there no V-shaped erosion marks? Because if these had been exposed, mm -hmm. rain falls on it, erodes a V-shaped erosion mark where water is cutting into the rock. 
that would be filled in by the next layer of mud coming in on mm -hmm. top, but it's not there. Why are there no animal holes? Why are there no root holes? It shows you that all of this was deposited at one time in a really big flood, that these layers were not exposed one after another after another. That's awesome. And how do the evolutionists deal with this? They don't. They simply try not ever to bring it up. I guess really the evolutionists are only able to gain the ground that they do because of people being uninformed. And well, that's so just it. The they, they rely on people being uninformed. They rely on being deceitful with their material, tricking people into believing that they're right. They censure science. They censure good science and only show you that which can be interpreted using their explanation. They tell a fairy tale for adults and they deceive people into believing it's real, but when you really take a look at it in depth, you realize it's not. It's fictitious. So it goes back to that people anti-God, wanting to not have accountability, want to believe in evolution. They only look at the stuff that supports this. They only present the things that support their position, suppress or ignore the other information. They knowingly suppress the evidence. That's exactly what Paul said in Romans chapter 1. There are those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Yep. They know it's not true, but they suppress it anyway. Paul also said they willingly are ignorant willingly. of this. <laughs> yes, and they willingly show. And then we have what are called polystrate fossils. Now polystrate fossils where we find tree trunks, for instance, growing straight up and down, supposedly, according to evolution. And yet what we have are trunks up to 80 feet long, have no roots, no tops. They're just tree trunks fossilized, but sticking through many, many layers. And these layers represent hundreds of millions of years. Supposedly they re represent hundreds of thousands to millions. And so how did a tree stand through all of those years of deposit? Yeah. It's impossible. I have a collection of these from all over the world. Uh, at Cookville, Tennessee, the Kettles Cook Mine, uh, Kettles uh, Coal Mine, uh, there's a 30-foot long tree trunk. It's bottom starts in coal with no roots. It goes through a middle layer of sedimentary rock and it ends in a coal seam at the top but there's no top. So here's a 30 foot long tree trunk penetrating three layers. The top and bottom have turned to coal. The middle layer is rock. It's petrified. And yet there's no tops or bottoms which proves it obviously did not grow there. What happened was it was growing someplace else because of a catastrophic event such as a volcanic explosion. It was torn off its roots, tops torn off or destroyed, deposited in wet mud layers in an upright orientation. Now at Mount St. Helens in 1980 in Spirit Lake, we actually saw the formation of today roughly 40,000 tree trunks standing upright at the bottom of the lake that didn't grow there. They have no tops, they have no bottoms. Specimen Ridge at Yellowstone National Park, the whole ridge is full of tree trunks, stumps. Some are laying down but some are standing upright. But there's stumps without trees, trees without stumps. Many of the trees penetrate more than one layer, uh, showing that this is all one catastrophic event. It is not slow and gradual accumulation. That is just impossible to refute. I mean, I can't see any argument against it. Well, that's just it. Evolutionary uh, geologists don't refute it. They may hide it, but they can't refute it. On today's program, Andrew interviewed Dr. Grady McMurtry, for more information about Dr. McMurtry and his ministry, go to creationworldview.org. You're going to hear things. You're going to start understanding things, seeing things from a different way. This is called the Summer Family Bible Conference. Guess what? That's not just because you brought your kids. It's because in this room, we're family. There's nobody in here that God doesn't want to prosper. He sees a purpose in you 
that he wants to set free. Listen, you've been sowing, sowing, sowing. It's time for us to reap our harvest. It's gonna completely change the way that you live your life. Throughout this series, Andrew mentions many statistics and scriptures with regard to creation versus evolution. These references, as well as others pertaining to abortion and homosexuality, have been compiled in the Observing All Things booklet, which is Andrew's free gift to you today when you write or call. Andrew's complete teaching titled Observing All Things is available in either a CD or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. This entire series is also available for audio download absolutely free from our website. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get this teaching. We want to say a special thank you to the Grace Partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your gifts make it possible to put free ministry materials into the hands of many people in need. If you're not already a Grace Partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources. Or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. We'd like to point out Andrew's upcoming speaking schedule. Mark your calendars to come meet Andrew at one of these events and let the Word of God transform your life. In May, Andrew will be hosting our annual Grace and Faith Conference in Telford, England, as well as two additional Grace and Faith Conferences in Łódź, Poland and Frankfurt, Germany. In June, come to Woodland Park for the Truth and Liberty Coalition. Joining Andrew at this event will be speakers James Robinson, Mark Gonzalez, Bishop E.W. Jackson, and Pastor Mark Coward. Then, from June 29th to July 3rd, Andrew will be in Woodland Park hosting the annual Summer Family Bible Conference. This event is loaded with activities for the whole family. Guest speakers will include Carrie Pickett, Bill Federer, Greg Moore, Billy Epperhart, Barry Bennett, Stephen Bransford, Paul Milligan, and Pastors Lawson Perdue and Mark Coward. And on the 4th of July, don't miss our special patriotic musical production titled, In God We Trust. And in July, Andrew will be in College Park speaking at Creflo and Taffy Dollar's Grace Life Conference. Next, come to Woodland Park for the Kingdom Youth Conference. Speakers at this event include Ryan Edberg, Brian Head Welch, and Joseph Z with worship performances by the bands Bread of Stone and Verses. Please note that Andrew will not be speaking at this event. Also in July, Andrew will be hosting a special Karis Day live stream event. Please note that the main campus in Woodland Park will not be open to guests. 
This event will take place only at participating Keras Extension campuses worldwide. Lastly, join Andrew in Chicago for a Gospel Truth Conference with guest speaker, Pastor Dwayne Sheriff. For more details on Andrew's next meeting in your area, visit our website at awmi.net. Ready to get more out of God's Word than ever before? We gladly announce the Andrew Womack Living Commentary. This continuously updated Living Commentary is now available exclusively as a download for both Mac and Windows at awmi.net.